Good morning. This is DJ and PK in the morning. Maybe a different voice you're hearing right now. I'm Jake, a.k.a. Yawk, the producer, the executive producer of this fine program. Filling in on this first hour for David and Patrick. They'll be with us in the 7 o'clock hour, starting with what's trending at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. But a lot to get to in this first hour. Obviously, the Utah Jazz last night made it nine straight wins. And I have to say... It was ugly. Uh, that's the finest way to say it. I know the other players and coaches use that term. We'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show here in just a little bit. But that game last night in the first half, Austin Rivers could not miss. 10 of 10 from the field, 25 points in the first half. But the Utah Jazz, Quinn Snyder, his coaching staff, they earned their paycheck last night. They went into the locker room with a double-digit deficit to the New York Knicks on their home floor, made the adjustments, brought Rudy Gobert higher up on screens. David Locke pointed this out on his postcast edition of Locked On Jazz. And they really turned the game around. A big credit to the Utah Jazz. They make it nine straight wins in a row. I'm impressed with this team. I know you guys don't hear my voice a lot on this program, but everything I'm seeing from the Utah Jazz right now indicates to me that they are firmly in the contender status in the Western Conference. Obviously, the defending champion, the Los Angeles Lakers, they are top dog right now. There is no doubt about that. I'm not going to try and say the Utah Jazz can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series right now. Do I think it could happen by the end of the year if the Jazz keep playing at the level they're playing at right now? Absolutely. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. But the Utah Jazz right now, they are looking absolutely marvelous. And last night was just another example of a team finding a way to win despite a first half deficit that made you think, OK, are they going to roll over and die here? Is that win streak going to drop at eight games? They make it nine in a row, and they're right back in action tonight, taking on the Dallas Mavericks right here at Vivint Arena. Looking forward to the matchup. Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and the rest of the Mavs rotation will be here. Looking forward to the back-to-back set. It'll be actually happening tonight and then Friday night when they face off against the Mavs for the second straight game. Other games to keep an eye on today, BYU is in action. They're on the road against Pepperdine at the Firestone Fieldhouse in Malibu, California. We'll get to more of that later on in today's show. Also, Utah State rematching with UNLV in Las Vegas. Scott Gerard will be on the call of that late tonight. An 8.30 uh, p.m. pregame show, a 9 o'clock tip on Fox Sports 1. The BYU game is a 1 o'clock tip. It's an afternoon matinee. You can watch that on BYU TV if you so desire. So plenty to get to ahead in today's show. We're looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm filling in on this first hour for David and Patrick. But coming up here in just a minute, we're going to get to a conversation that David and Patrick had with Ben Anderson from KSLSports.com. Ben is a guy I have known the entire time I've been working in in this industry. We came in as interns for David Locke back in the day. It's fantastic to see what he's doing, covering the Utah Jazz for KSL Sports. A very deep and analytical thinker when it comes to the Utah Jazz. And we'll get to the conversation that he had with DJ and PK here in just a moment. After that, we'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Let you hear from Quinn Snyder and the Utah Jazz players after their win over the New York Knicks. That's all coming up here in this first hour of DJ and PK in the morning, right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK right here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch. Once again, thanks again for taking the time to join us this morning. Going to get to an interview that David and Patrick did yesterday with Ben Anderson from KSLSports.com. Ben, of course, covering the Jazz for a long time now in this market, has some great thoughts on kind of the big picture for the Utah Jazz right now amidst a nine-game win streak now after beating the Knicks last night. You'll hear him talk about the streak and what's going on with the Jazz. He was on the show yesterday. So to be clear, the streak at that point was still eight games. But the picture, the big picture stuff, nonetheless, is what we're looking for. So without further ado, here you go. Ben Anderson from KSL Sports with DJ and PK right here on the Zone Sports Network. Ben, good morning. Good morning. So Ben, we have been discussing the topic, the Jazz. What about this season has really surprised you? Where have they really overachieved? And uh, I said, you know, the three-point shooting... I knew they'd be good. Obviously, they led the league last year, and I could even see that number ticking up a little bit. Can't say I thought they'd be shooting 40% right now. Niang puts the ball on the floor and is more effective than I expected. But I'm kind of looking at small things. Largely, it seems like, at least in my view, everything's trended towards the most optimistic end of what was possible. So I guess that would be the biggest surprise. Do you see it differently, or do you see it yeah, that way? Yeah, I think you're right. I think the fact, other than Boyan Bogdanovich, basically everything that could go well feels like it has gone well, including the defense getting back into the top ten and the top five. And over the last eight games, it's, what, number two or number three now. So uh, I think Derek Favors coming in and having the impact that he's had, even though it doesn't seem like he's had a big statistical year, clearly he's a part of the reason that the defense is back. Everyone else kind of clicking in and figuring out how to do what Quinn Snyder wants defensively, uh, wants wants them to do defensively to get them back to that place where they were two years ago, three years ago. And that's just kind of this weird constant trade-off you always have to deal with as a young team that's trying to learn how to win by playing ugly games the way the Cleveland Cavaliers do now, the way the Memphis Grizzlies do now. And then you say, okay, we've got our offensive star. We're going to start putting in offensive people. And then can you maintain that defense? And most teams can't. And the really good teams do figure out a way to do it. And that's what the Warriors did a few years ago. That's what the Jazz are trying to do right now. And it seems like it's clicking. It seems like they're figuring it out. So I think you're right. The, the fact that everything has seemed like it's come up you know, in the Jazz direction has been, has been surprising. And that's, that's what good teams do. So what do you believe about this team? I, I believe in the depth. Uh, I think first and foremost, I think that's probably the most proven thing because you're seeing pretty consistent play night in and night out from everyone other than Bogdanovich like we talked about. Uh, I think the fact that they can go really nine deep, especially if George Niang is playing as well as he is, I mean, I think that's a pretty legitimate talent and then skill that the Jazz have that, you know, George Niang is your ninth guy and is better than what, probably the other 25, 26, 27 ninth men in the NBA. I think that's probably fair to say. So it's if everybody's top three or four at their role, you know, if your best player is other than, you know, maybe your best player being uh, Donovan Mitchell and, and he's not, you know, the the top three best player in the NBA, he's probably top 15 in the way he's playing right now. Maybe he's knocking on the door at top 10. Uh, other than that, you know, if Rudy Gobert is your, your second best player, how does he compare to another team's second best player? He's, he's probably really good. He probably ranks up there quite high. If Mike Conley's your third best player, now you're really starting to climb it. 
you know, he's playing at an MVP level right now. You look at all of his advanced metrics, he might be the best third best player on the team in the NBA. And then if Boyan Bogdanovich is four, and you kind of go down that list, and the Jazz keep getting better. If Jordan Clarkson's your sixth man, well, we know he's the sixth man of the year right now. If Joe Ingles is your seventh, well, okay, Joe Ingles is better than anyone else else's seventh man right now. So I think that's what I really believe in is the depth of this team is, is as good as anybody in the NBA. So what does that mean for comparing them to the other elite teams? Because I watch the Lakers, and you don't want them to be good, and you don't want them to dominate. But, man, they look good. And, man, yeah, are they and dominating. Night, yeah, and what LeBron did last night, he had 46 points on 26 shots and you know made 19 of them and was 7-11 from three. He's just, you know, that's why you have to have that guy. And going back last week to, to Shaq's point that, that nobody liked was that, you know, is Donovan Mitchell better as a second option? Yeah. If you can have Shaq, or, I mean, if you can have LeBron, or if you can have Kevin Durant in front of them that have those ability to hit those types of shots. And look, we saw Donovan Mitchell do that last year in the playoffs. He had those types of numbers. He had these ridiculous 50-point games. But, yeah, if you can have a LeBron James, if you can have a James Harden or a Kevin Durant or these guys who truly are some of the you know four or five best players to ever put on a basketball uniform, that probably would benefit the Jazz and benefit Donovan Mitchell, but they don't have that guy. So is Mitchell capable of being all league? And you have 15 guys basically being all league. So if he's third team, can he be second? And if he's second, can he be first or none of the above? Yeah, I think he can. I think he can be all NBA guard. Uh, you know, there's six of those guys that, that end up making it. So I think there's a chance he can be in that conversation, especially if you do start watering down a couple of places where we would assume that James Harden and Kyrie Irving would both make it, especially if they were on different teams, but now they're not on different teams anymore, and probably only one of them makes it. And that opens up a slot for Donovan Mitchell and some of these other guys that are knocking on the door, and deservedly so, Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, some of that might come down to team success, or maybe if Devin Booker and Chris Paul are on the same team, they cancel one of their two spots out that they could potentially earn. So I could see Donovan Mitchell, especially if the Jazz finish with the second-best record in the NBA or second-best record in the West, I think the Jazz deserve a spot. I don't know if Rudy Gobert gets it this year. I think you're, you're going to look at some of the other big men around the league, and I think Rudy deserves it. I don't know if his numbers are going to reflect it because some of his minutes are down and so a few of his averages are down. Uh, but the Jazz would have to get a spot. You know, you kind of earn that spot, that token spot of if you're good enough to make an all-star team. If you're one of the best teams in the NBA, someone's got to make it or two of your guys have to make it. The Jazz benefited from that last year. That could turn into an all-NBA appearance for Donovan this season. So what are you looking to change and improve and tighten up, or they've hit their ceiling in your mind? Uh, I mean, Boyan will get better. I think that's pretty fair to expect. I think he generally clicks in a little bit later in the season. I know last year he started pretty hot other than the preseason, but then once the regular season started, he was ready and seemed like he was really going. But I think the risk is still – he's still trying to figure it out. I think he's still trying to get confidence back. I think he's overthinking his shot a little bit, and he kind of does a lot of the side steps that he probably doesn't need to do right now, but it's like he's not quite – comfortable just catching and shooting where it felt like last year his quick release was as good as anybody in the NBA and maybe as good as anyone the Jazz had had. So I think that will get better. And that's scary because, you know, the Jazz have, what, six players shooting over 40% and he's not one of them. And last year he was arguably the most prolific three-point shooter in the NBA as far as attempts and shooting over 40%. So as that continues to get better, the Jazz ability to hunt these threes and hit these threes is going to get better. And that's that's going to be scary for, for opposing teams because, you know, they, they already get a ton of threes up and they already make, you know, not a majority of them, but, but more than anyone else in the NBA. So if they can keep doing that, they're going to, they're going to get more dangerous. And if Boyan can add to that and improve it, 
you know, the sky really kind of is the limit for this team. How far away do you think they are from the Lakers? I think they're a puncher's chance away from winning any game, and that's probably the right idea of what they could do. You know, they just want to be able to deliver a knockout blow, and a knockout blow is you hit nine threes in the third quarter, and they can do that, you know, or nine threes in the first quarter, and you're up 39 to 27. And you say, well, that's a 12-point lead. We've given ourselves a chance to not lose a 12-point lead over the last 36 minutes. Or it's a four-point game in halftime, and you hit those nine threes in the third quarter. And, and that's what we saw against the Hawks a couple of weeks ago or a week and a half ago. That's what we've seen against New Orleans a couple of times. That's what we saw against Golden State, where you turn a four-point game into a 22-point game, regardless of what the other team does. Because even if you're trading baskets, if you're hitting threes, and the Lakers can't hit threes at the same rate the Jazz can, they're really good, but they can't hit them at that rate. Uh, you know, maybe you build up a, a nine or a ten point lead because you did hit seven more threes, or you got the free throw line, and, and you build a double digit lead going into the fourth quarter. And you know, that, that's the boxer who just wants to throw haymakers and, and knows they're not as skilled as the other team. And, and the Jazz are still pretty skilled, but but that's going to be their best their best option to beat those teams. So they, they've got a puncher's chance, and I think that's good because they didn't have that two years ago or three years ago. And I think they realize that. So if the Ben Anderson joining us, KSLSports.com, if things play out uh, kind of like they did last year and the way they look right now, if the Lakers are one and the Clippers are two and if the Jazz are able to get the three seed, uh, and even if they catch the Clippers, it's still two versus three in the second round. I know we're all obsessed with the Lakers and they're the champs, so why wouldn't we be? But a Jazz Clippers second round series, what does that look like? I think the Jazz can beat the Clippers the same way Denver was able to beat the Clippers last year. They they still lack some of the things that I think they need to slow the Jazz down specifically. They just don't have a good rim protector. And I know they went out and got Serge Ibaka to kind of come in and, and fill that role and try and be one of those guys. And he's fine. You know, he, he has a really good season last year in, in Toronto, but that hasn't quite translated. And I know they're still really good. And I know they're also one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And I know they're one of the best three-point shooting teams in the NBA. So they do a lot well. The Jazz would struggle to find an answer for Kawhi Leonard, but everybody in the NBA does. But I don't see them stopping the Jazz from running their stuff. And that's really hard. If you're going to let the Jazz run their system, they're going to get 43s a game. And if they take 43s a game, right now their average says they're going to hit 18. And I just don't think a lot of teams in the NBA can beat the Jazz if they hit 18 threes on a night. So uh, if you're going to allow them to do that, and you know we saw the Jazz beat the Clippers when, when they weren't playing their best basketball this season. Uh, the Jazz weren't, I should say. I think the Jazz absolutely can beat them. So, And the Jazz were good against them last year, too. You know, the, the Jazz played really well against uh, L.A. They even went on the road and won. I think it was Jordan Clarkson's second game. Donovan Mitchell had a big game. Rudy tends to play pretty well against them. So I, I don't think that's actually a terrifying matchup. I don't think that's the one the Jazz would be most afraid of. Certainly uh, it doesn't compare to the Lakers. Did Shaq do the Jazz a favor? I, I think he got him some sympathy. I don't know if that's doing them any favors, but you know, I'm sure it affected Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure that's not fun. I just I can't imagine working so hard to get to the NBA and how difficult that must be, and then working so hard to become a good NBA player and an NBA player that matters, that's worth having a TNT post game show, and then you get that opportunity and you play well on national TV and you have 36 points and what was it, you know, 20 in the first half or 21 in the first half. And then you put on a headset and someone tells you you're not good enough. I, I just, I, I'm sure that's hard. I'm sure that's crappy. And, and Shaq is, you know, one of the 10 greatest players of all time. So I, I'm sure that's a really bad feeling. And, and I don't think Donovan Mitchell is necessarily the 
Darren Williams type. You guys remember Darren would get slighted for the All-Star game or would go on a chair over the last 30 games of the season and be great. I don't think that's how Donovan Mitchell's wired. I don't think that's how he operates. I think that's more how Rudy operates. Uh, Donovan said he's a chip-on-his-shoulder guy. He doesn't wear it outwardly uh, the way some of these other players do. So I think he probably got him some sympathy. I think he probably showed, you know, shown some, some light on, on how good they're playing this year, even if his goal was to do the opposite. So is Shaq essentially right, though, because in the history of the game, six-foot guards just don't lead teams to championships? And so no matter what you say when you're with a superstar, you can just keep moving the goal line, moving the goal posts, and like, well, and, and if they bring in another player, then you can say, oh, well, that player's really the guy. I mean, it's, there's a chance here to move the goal line, so unless Donovan wins a title while averaging 40 points a game, there'll be some way to shape the argument to say, yeah. It, that, that's I was right. Yeah, I mean, I think in a vacuum, what he said was right. I, I think there's a time and a place for having that argument and, and you know, a, a way to do it. Uh, and that was not what Shaq did. I mean, Shaq tried to do it bluntly and seemed like he, you know, pretended he was trying to, you know, make a point to Donovan to challenge him. And, and it was just a very poorly, you know, executed uh, plan if that's what he was trying to do. But, yeah, you look back at guys who are under 6'5", who have won championships as the best player on their team, and it's, you know, two names, maybe it's three names. It's Isaiah Thomas, and it's Steph, was Chauncey Steph. Phillips the best team on that 04 Pistons team? I don't know. He kind of gets the credit for it, but, you know, Rasheed might have been on any given night, or, 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 you know, Ben Wallace was on any given night, Rip Hamilton was on any given night. So those two guys have done it. Obviously, Steph did it, and even then, Steph wasn't winning finals MVPs because it seemed like somebody else needed to step up or have these big, you know, these big postseason runs or seven-game series, whether it was Andre Iguodala or Kevin Durant coming in and obviously pushing them over the edge where they were so good. So I, I do think it's really hard to be a guard in a big man's league and, you know, or, or at least a tall league and have success. But the Jazz are kind of built a little bit more like those Pistons teams, the, the Isaiah Thomas or the Chauncey Phillips teams. But, again, they, their seventh man was better than your seventh man. You know, Mehmet Okur was really good coming off the bench or Corliss Williamson was really good coming off the bench. They, they just have depth. Those Warriors teams had a lot of depth, too. So I think that's what the Jazz are trying to do. And maybe in that case, if everybody's elevated, you can have a player like Donovan Mitchell be the best player on a championship team. And I think that's fair. Ben Anderson joining us, Utah Jazz writer for KSLSports.com. I guess lost in all of this is the fact that the draft day comparison for Donovan was Dwayne Wade. And Wade was the second best player on three championships teams, one with Shaq and two with LeBron. So I guess in some way this whole discussion, Donovan's just zoomed right past that comparison, which for any rookie on a draft day is outrageous, right? You're a rookie, you've done nothing, and this guy's a three-time champion and a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, you know, maybe Shaq was the second best player on some of his teams. And, you know, I always thought he was kind of the engine or the diesel that made those run because – he drew so much attention and, and did free things up for Dwayne Wade and did free things up for Kobe uh, on their last championship team. I know he was certainly the better of the first of their two. So, um, you, you know, being the second best player on a championship team is, is quite an honor. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of guys who, who, who only, you know, Will Chamberlain was the second or third best player on a championship team at one point. So it's not the worst thing. And yeah, I mean, Dennis Lindsay, I just have to imagine every day, look at what Donovan Mitchell does and just cackles and just laughs that they, this player turned up out of nowhere. They turned nothing into him. You know, I mean, they turned Trey Lyles, who was just a journeyman, and Tyler Lydon, who I don't think is in the NBA anymore, into this guy who, you're right, 
kind of deservedly is earning these comps to these unbelievably great players and is on a trajectory right now, having made an all-star game in his third season and is averaging 24 points a game and looks like that's always going to be what he's able to do and it's getting better everywhere else. He's turning into one of the elite shooters in the NBA, which was really kind of his question coming out of college. He just, yes, I mean, he's just a magnificent basketball player and, and the Jazz got very lucky to have him and, and worrying about whether you're the second best player on the championship team or not is, is you know, kind of missing the point. Well, Ben, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on the show again, and we will uh, look forward to uh, seeing you in the arena one day, you know, when there's 18,300 people there and uh, media people everywhere. Thanks, guys. There you go, Ben Anderson from KSLSports.com right here on the Zone Sports Network with DJ and PK. Coming up next, we'll get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Jake Scott putting a cap on the Jazz win over the Knicks. We'll let you hear from the players and coaches after that win. We'll get to all of it next right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network. Take the Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning. This is DJ and PK in the morning. I'm Jake, a.k.a. Yawk, filling in on this first hour for DJ and PK. Coming up right now, we're going to get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. Jake Scott, after every Utah Jazz game, does a wrap of everything we learned from the game, as well as letting you hear from the players, coaches, Quinn Snyder, etc. It's all in one nice, big, long segment, so let's get into it here. Here is the best of the Jazz postgame show. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Hard victory for the Utah Jazz last night over the Knicks, 108-94. to Got big-time performances from Rudy Gobert and Royce O'Neal. Struggled in the first half, had a big-time second half, and come away with their ninth consecutive victory. Let's start things off by hearing from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hey, Coach. We'll get started with Ben Anderson, if you're ready. Ready. Hey, Quinn, what did you get from Royce tonight? He seemed really good on both ends of the floor. Yeah, it, I guess it's what didn't we get. Um, you know, defensively, you know, he matched up on Randall. He guarded Rivers for a, a spell. Um, you know, on the offensive end, you know, especially early in the game when they were shifted off him, he's ready to shoot and knocking it down. And then I thought he, he made the right read a lot of times where when he did drive, um, there was space and he was poised in the lane. You know, a lot of times, you know, any player, when you drive to the rim, you know, you're attacking the rim. Sometimes it's harder to slow down um, and read. And particularly against these guys with the shot blockers that they have and the fact that they're really collapsed protecting the paint, um, you have to have poise in the lane. There was one play pivoted, you know, we talk about feet and fakes, um, you know, and he, he made he made really, really good decisions on offense. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. When it seemed like you guys made uh, some headway offensively early in the third quarter when you kind of gave the ball to Mike and, and kind of shifted to him as the primary ball handler, what did you see out of him in that stretch and, and what improved during that time? 
Well, you know, we might, we have Mike has the ball in his hands a lot. Um, that's the, one of the good things about our team is we've got multiple guys that can make plays. I, honestly, he made a couple shots. Um, you know, like I said, even with Royce, it went under. I made some good reads. Um, you know, when he got in the lane, he kept his poise. Um, you know, we, we had a lot of stretches that you, it was hard to differentiate how well we were playing because we, we didn't make shots. Um, and certainly at that point, he came out, um, you know, knowing that, that, that he hadn't in, in the first half. And the best thing about that, frankly, is, is you know, to keep attacking, you know, to not um, change the way that you're playing and to stay aggressive. And, you know, I have so much confidence in him um, that if he's not making, you know, we want him to keep shooting. It felt the same way about Donovan um, you know for for us to have trouble making making shots and still take 48 threes to me is more significant than anything because there was a stretch where you know we didn't see it go in for a long period of time and you know when that happens there's a tendency to stop shooting and you know you got to still take open shots those are good shots for us um and like you said at the beginning you know mike made some and then we had a few you know go in sporadically after that but um we kept attacking Chris and Kenny, Jazz TV. At that third quarter, during that third quarter, Coach, we saw a lot more hustle with Mike Conley sliding on the floor, Jordan Clarkson getting to the line. What was the, the message at half? I mean, we, we hustle, you know, sometimes there's not a loose ball f for you to slide to. Um, but clearly, um, I, I think we started the game. Sometimes we start the game and you make a couple shots and it, it lifts you. Um, you know, New York, New York came out playing, playing hard. Um, I, I think our team competes and, you know, there's certainly there's, there's stretches where, um, you know, see opportunities for guys flying around. There was a couple of them and I thought it was really significant in both halves um, where we were on the offensive glass where we had two or three chances to score and sometimes those were great looks and they weren't going in and we just kept competing so I, I think there was a number of possessions um, where that that occurred and you know that's who we are you know we, we kept battling and didn't feel sorry for ourselves that shots weren't being made in the first half you know they hit some great shots you know hats off to them um, and we hung in there Tony Jones, The Athletic. How important was that those were those initial uh, few first few minutes in the second half that you guys made a few sh shots, but more importantly, got a few stops consecutively? Well, I think, frankly, that was the biggest thing. Um, seeing the ball go in kind of gave us some life. Um, but, you know, after it would have been easy to kind of hang our heads, even in the first half, um, you know, the, some of the plays they were making. Um, so to see the ball go in was good. But I think our defense, th th this game is about our defense, um, you know, to give up a 13-point fourth quarter, to get stronger as the game went along, um, and to continue to attack offensively. Um, that's one of the things we didn't do when we played them 
last time we didn't continue to attack. Um, we weren't making shots, but we kept attacking. And again, like you said, our, our, I think our defense helped our offense. Um, but for a team that can score the ball and has a lot of guys that can shoot the ball, um, that maybe individually kind of identify with the offensive end, I think collectively that same group of players really identified with the defensive end. And that's one of the things that we're doing right now that's, you know, helping us play well. Okay, last question, David James, KUTV. Coach, you were down 13 at the half, but were you pretty happy with the way the team was playing, just given the fact that they were missing open shots? Yeah, I think, you know, I think early um, they hit some tough shots. Um, we needed to adjust, you know, on Rivers. Um, felt like, you know, really he, he was the difference in, in the first half in many respects. Um, you know, aside from us maybe not, not making some plays offensively, um, it, it, the, the league kind of ballooned up again. You know, I think we cut it, you know, throughout the half, but, you know, went into the locker room down, as you said. So the way that we came out in the second half, I think, you know, this wasn't a game where we had as much energy, I think, as we wanted. You know, we were trying to run. Um, you know, so it was just a really, really good effort. And, you know, th th we did a lot of good things that didn't show up on the scoreboard. And sometimes it's like that. And people talk about winning ugly. And tonight, ugly was really pretty. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder after his win his team won its ninth game in a row. Royce O'Neal with a career-high 20 points last night to go along with six rebounds and two assists. Here's what he had to say after the game. All right, we'll start with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Sorry, guys. Hey, Royce, the first half, you guys, uh, it could have been easy to hang your heads, but you didn't. Does a game like this show you more about your growth a as a team in terms of how you were able to respond to this one tonight? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you know, the first half, we weren't making any shots that, you know, usually make wide open, uh, you know, kind of affected our defense. And we knew our defense was going to keep us in the game and, you know, bring us back. And those shots were going to start falling. So... <laughs> Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Royce, I know that uh, you're not a guy who likes to talk about himself very much, but you scored a career high 20 points tonight. Uh, just wondering, you know, between that early stretch where you had seven of the first eight and that late stretch where you kind of helped balloon that, that lead, what was working for you tonight? Just, just taking what the defense was giving me, you know, whether I was knocking down open shots or, you know, cutting to the basket or finding teammates, uh, you know, guys were finding me, you know, as I was open, they were just moving the ball, so. All right, next up will be Andres Lopez, Cultura Sports from Puerto Rico. Thank you. Um, my question is in regards to uh, the COVID protocols. To what extent do you believe that this season winning will rely on the healthiest team as opposed to the quote unquote best team? And how does this impact the credibility of the season? Um, I know we're just going to worry about ourselves. Um, take care of each other, you know, stay away from it and focus on basketball and, you know, staying safe from COVID. That was Royce O'Neal after his career-high 20 points last night against the Knicks. Let's now hear from Donovan Mitchell. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Don. Um, it, with uh, the Knicks having a 15-point lead, it could have been easy to hang your heads, but you guys didn't dwell. What does a win like this show you about the growth of where you guys are as a team? 
Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, we just kept fighting, kept plugging away. You know, Austin Rivers gets hot. You know, um, we're standing that, we're standing there. They hit some tough shots, like they hit contested shots. And, you know, we, we came out flat and then we turned our energy up to come into the half. And we didn't come in with any sort of doubt, in the, you know, to start the, uh, to come in at halftime. And, you know, to start the third, we just kept going, you know, and you got to credit Royce, Mike, really dominating on the boards. Like that's, that's huge. That was huge for us. Um, we just kept shooting, you know, shots not always going to fall, but we kept shooting and kept trying to defend and we held them to a 13 point fourth quarter. Uh, that's who we need to be. And I'm really happy with the way we, we finished and the way we played as a whole. I mean, at the end of the day, it's not going to be sunshines and rainbows every day. You know, I think that's the best part about this is we, we're learning, we're finding new instances every game, you know, and how to fight adversity in different ways. And, you know, this was a good win. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Donovan, you probably saw that the Utah State uh, House of Representatives passed a resolution today saying uh, honoring you over Shaquille O'Neal and I don't know, considering you for the state arachnid and whatever else. What was your reaction when you saw that? Um, man, I, I didn't. At first, I didn't know what what it was at first, and then and then I was, you know, just I'm just blessed that, that people think of me that way, you know. Here, I think that's just something that, you know. I'm just honored. You know, I think that's it. You know, I think it was, it's, it's fun. It's fun to be a part of that. I think, you know, um, I really didn't know what to think, but I think the biggest thing you, when I, I kind of sat in my car and just reflected on, I looked at it in a, in a different light. I looked at it in a way. It was just like the fact that that's even a thing, you know, going up being a kid, you always want to kind of be that, that guy that's beloved. And I, I really appreciate the support uh, from that, you know, and I, I think it's, it's, it's special and it's an honor. It's, it's kind of funny. You know, I think, um, I think it's, it's, I think they had what the ref Jersey, uh, somebody had the ref Jersey on. And then I think that's just like, I think it was just pretty cool. Um, and who knows? I don't. Am I, is it like the state spider? Like I don't. I don't know how that works. To be honest with you, I, I was asking around. We don't really know. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody really knows. But uh, like, I think it was just pretty, pretty funny, pretty cool. And you know, um, so thank you, Tony Jones, the Athletic. Donovan, I'm gonna ask you this because Roy, Royce wouldn't um, give a real. Royce doesn't like talking about himself, but. You know, how hard did Roy, Royce work during the offseason? Because I know you've been there with him kind of every step of the way. Uh, just kind of, you know, working on his shot, working on attacking closeouts, making secondary reads, and, you know, and, and, and talk about that. And, and just his defense on Julius Randle uh, tonight, especially in the second half. Yeah, you know, he's a guy, you know, we came in together. Obviously, it's known that we're, we're close, but he's just a nonstop worker, man. You know, from going from his journey to the to the NBA is different than most. Uh, and, you know, you just see the consistent persistence and the hard work. So nights like tonight are, are no surprise. You know, this is um, this is something that this is this is a rush we all know. He's, he's a dog, man. He's going to go out there and work. When we were down there in Miami, he was, you know, sprints, weights, court, whatever it is, like two days, whatever it needed, he was he was there doing it, you know, and I think that's just a testament to his work ethic, his skill. Um <clears throat> I really believe that he should be on the all defensive team. Um, you know, he's going out there guarding, he goes from guarding a guard to guarding uh, a forward like Julius. He, he he does it all, you know, and I think he took, you know, the the series loss against Denver, you know, very personally came in with a, a, just a completely, I wouldn't say different mindset, but even more locked in. Um, and I think it's showing, you know, throughout these games, you know, and then as far as his shot goes, he's just letting it fly with confidence. That's who we need, you know, because if teams used to help off him and now they're kind of hesitant to do that and it opens up things for myself. 
yourself, Mike and, and Rudy and, and everybody getting in the paint. Um, and then when they do close out, he's able to get in there, find the big, he even tried to dunk it today. Um, but like just making, making all those reads, he's, he's put the time in, put the work in for nights like tonight. And this won't be the last one. That was Donovan Mitchell. He struggled a little bit last night, certainly shooting the ball three of 15. He had nine points, eight rebounds and three assists, but the jazz came away with a win regardless. Let's now hear from Mike Conley. Hey, Mike. We'll get started with Sarah Todd, Deseret News. All right. Hey, Mike. Uh, obviously, Royce had a really good night tonight offensively, but what is it about his game on nights when he's maybe not scoring that goes under-noticed? Well, I think, uh, you know, Royce is like the glue to this team. I mean, he's asked uh, on a nightly basis to uh, guard the best players, um, create guy, create opportunities for guys offensively by just driving the ball. Um, certain nights he spots up in the corners and high quadrants and knocks down threes. Um, and sometimes he's just running up and down the court and just creating havoc, offensive rebounds and giving us extra possessions. And um, that stuff that's vital for us. And he doesn't go unnoticed by our team. We know how important he is. And tonight was one of the nights he really showed out. Tony Jones, The Athletic. Uh, to kind of piggyback off of what Sarah said, you know, how important is it for Royce to serve as, as that outlet for you guys when, you know, with you and Donovan, when teams kind of uh, trap your pick and rolls, you know, that he's become so good at number one, knocking down a three or um, attacking closeouts and making secondary reads off the dribble. Well, I mean, he's the guy that kind of gets the uh, the blender started for us because, <clears throat> like you said, when teams do um, trap us on the pick and roll or, you know, just the bigs are really high, um, Donovan and I, we have to get off the ball. We have to swing it. And, and you know, Royce has learned how to be effective in that in that position, in that role, to be able to drive it and then throw a lob to Rudy or throw it to the corner or skip it uh, or knock down the open look. So, you know, having a guy like that allows, allows us to be really dangerous um, when teams try to tra- change up coverages. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Mike, you go over five in the first half. You don't score until those free throws with just seconds remaining before halftime and then come out of the break and hit a three on your first possession, hit another one right after that. What kind of changed for both you and the team on both ends starting early in that third quarter tonight? Um, well, right before we went out, you know, coach told me, you know, be aggressive, shoot every time. Uh, we need you out there, you know, being that guy. So uh, third quarter was, you know, the first possession. I was going to come down and shoot. Um, any t- chance I got, I was going to look to to make a play. And um, I think everybody just fed off of the same energy. Uh, what coach was trying to get us to understand that we just need to needed to do more, need to be more assertive on both ends. And um, you know, I. I took upon myself both on offense and defense to to bring more and I, th- I know a lot of the guys did in that early in the third quarter Ryan Miller KSL uh, Mike you've played the majority of your minutes alongside Rudy this season what has made that pairing so successful um, well me and Rudy have spent a lot of time together you know watching film and uh, getting work in and practice uh, extra you know extra time uh, before and after practice and uh, both 
offensively and defensively, we're just really connected right now and um, understanding when to, you know, if I get beat defensively, you know, when to let my guy go and, and switch on to his guy and he takes my guy and, um, you know, vice versa on offense, just being able to, to be patient on that end and know how to get him the ball, you know, because he works so hard and deserves his opportunities. And um, I think it's just starting to show, you know, more and more as we play together, just, um, you know, our chemistry and uh, what we're, you know, capable of doing. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Mike, looking ahead to tomorrow at a guy like Luca, the triple double machine, what'll be the toughest aspect of his game to defend? Well, I mean, it's, I think, just his playmaking ability. Um, he obviously can score, but I think his he gets his team going when he's able to to, to get those assists and get guys up in looks and um, constantly putting pressure on you um, as he brings the ball up the court. So uh, do our best to try to make everything tough for him, um, keep the ball out of his hands as much as possible, uh, and just try to continue to play to our to our strength defensively and uh, offensive end. Just do what we got to do. David James, KUTV. Mike, there were a lot of critical uh, hustle plays in this game, and I'm just curious. You got a lot of assists in your career. When's the last time you had as odd, as odd an assist as that one sprawled in between two defenders, batting the ball at uh, Joe Ingles for a set up a game tying three? Oh man. Um... I'd hate to say that I've done that before, but uh, you know that's not some you you don't want to be in that in that area laying down with people around you and you roll the ball to somebody in the corner. But um, we'll take it. We'll take it. Joe's a heck of a shooter, and thankfully I was able to get it there. All right. Last question will be from Andres Lopez, Culture of Sports, out of Puerto Rico. Thank you. Um, Mike, coach said just a while ago that today you guys won ugly, but even ugly looked pretty today for you guys. What happened behind the scenes during the halftime that really made you guys tap into that win at all costs mentality to come back for the second half? I think uh, tonight, you know, coach really just reminded us that, you know, if we want to be a great team, uh, we want to be a, a championship contending team, these are the type of games you have to win. No matter how good the other team's playing, they shot the ball very well in the first half or how poorly we're playing. Um, we have to find a way. And uh, in that third quarter, I think we really took took those words and, and, and just just tried to want it more um, than they did. And, um, and those hustle plays and the, the loose balls and the 50-50 balls and offensive rebounds, all that stuff was showing our effort and, and how bad we wanted it. So, um, you know, good teams, good teams win, win games like tonight. And uh, that's the beautiful part about it. There you go. Mike Conley, who was great in the second half last night, uh, 19.17 of which came in the second half. He was plus 27 for the night. He also had seven rebounds and five assists. Let's now uh, wrap up the player sound with Rudy Gobert. We'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Rudy, you guys really kind of turned it around defensively in that third quarter. You know, the mix had shot like 55% in the first half, and then you guys hold the eight for 23 in that third quarter. What was the key to kind of putting, you know, playing with a little more force and, and getting some more stops in that third? I think for us, it was really to do everything, but do it a little better. You know, uh, just being a little more physical, uh, make it a little harder on the, on the guys that got hot in the first half and, uh, you know, keep doing what we were doing. We really felt like they, they hit a lot of tough shots in the first half, you know, and, uh, 
we could have done a little better job, but we, it's not like we we're breaking down defensively. They just, they were just hitting tough shots, and we fixed that in the second half. And uh, and on the other end, we were able to knock down some shots because we ran out of our defense. Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Everybody, Donovan has said it quite a few times this season, and also Mike mentioned that um, the halftime message was that, you know, in order to be one of the great teams, you're going to have to withstand a team coming in and kind of smacking you in the mouth, but then coming back from it and being able to actually win those kinds of games. So how important is it to win this game and also know that that's a part of your growth, that you have to be able to get these together? I mean, we, that's exactly what we talked about when we lost the first time against against the Knicks, you know, when we when we play defense, uh, even in the nights when we struggle a little more offensively, we're going to be in a position to win the game. And, you know, we kept our focus on defensive end. We didn't worry about, you know, the missed shots on offense. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, we get more stops and uh, and the shots start falling. So it's, uh, it's really who we are. It's, uh, I think now we, we understand it and we embrace it better than, better than ever. And uh, it's exciting to be a part of a team that, uh, you know, takes a lot of pride uh, doing all the little things to, to be great defensively because we understand that if you want to be the team that we can be, we have to, to do those things. David James, KUTV. Rudy, seven offensive rebounds for you individually. That is a really big number. Obviously, the team missed a few more shots, so there were a few more to be had. But was there anything special that triggered that? Because that's a lot of offensive rebounds. I mean, I just try to set the tone, you know, and uh, you know when I when I feel like. I mean, I, try, I was going every time. I ain't gonna lie to you. I was just trying to be aggressive and set the tone. And uh, I think you know when we when we miss a shot and we get an offensive rebound and and we get a putback or we get another shot and we make it. I think it's a big. It's uh, pretty demoralizing for the other team. And uh, you know, I, I try to do that the whole game. That was Rudy. Rudy was dominant last night. 18 points, 19 rebounds, four. Block shots and just an absolute monster game for Rudy as the Jazz win their ninth consecutive game. Uh, they beat the Knicks last night, 108-94. to No rest for the weary. They play the Dallas Mavericks tonight at Vivint Arena. That game will tip off at 7 o'clock. Pre-game begins at 6. There you go. The best of the Jazz post-game show. They are back in action tonight, taking on the Dallas Mavericks. 7 o'clock Mountain Time right here on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz game night pre-game show, as you heard Jake Scott just say, will start at 6 o'clock right here on your radio home for the Utah Jazz, the Zone Sports Network. Coming up next, we'll get to what is trending, DJ and PK will rejoin us. A lot to get to in the night in sports. We'll get to all of it next, right here on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM, and the Zone Sports Network.